You're listening to As Read By Me, the podcast where writers read and readers listen. Greetings, readers. I'm Dave Stiles, and welcome to another episode of As Read By Me. I'm happy to report we've been recording lots of authors in the past few weeks, and you're going to hear a very interesting, eclectic collection of voices and subject matter in the upcoming episodes, including this one. In today's show, we have a thought-provoking book excerpt read by Frank Goldstein, a little true crime poetry by Paul Camerata, and the tale of a speedo, I mean speedy recovery from Heidi Bank. Here we go. Hi, I'm Frank Goldstein, and this is an excerpt from my book entitled Shoot It Anyway. This story is called The Second Mirror as read by me. Local 4 News at 6 starts now. We are tracking the investigation. Some revived worries about it. Two employees were shot. Said their policies no longer work. Turn off major electric appliances that were to get From July through September, Can you imagine a day without TV news? It doesn't matter what time it is. Breakfast lunch or dinner time, bedtime or even in the middle of the night, you can always get your dose of TV news. And it isn't just CNN or headline news anymore. It's any of a dozen or more networks peddling their version of what they think is important for you to know. More and more these days, though, it'll be local news. Most towns now have a local news that begins in the middle of the night. Even long before the early network shows like Good Morning America or the Today Show start, you're more than likely to find a live local newscast on the air almost all day and all night. The reason for all these stations airing hours of local news is simple. You, the viewer, want it. It's also cheap for the stations to run a newscast. There's very few staff needed in the studio with robotic cameras and computer technology running much of the show. Then there's the stories that are always part of the news. Well, maybe they were recorded earlier for yesterday's early morning news. And if they can be run again, well, that's like two minutes of free TV time. One camera on the street can shoot that three-alarm fire edit the video, send it to the station over a cell phone, or via the internet. We wake up, stumble into the bathroom, and stare for a moment at that frightening reflection in the mirror. Often we're almost afraid to look. Another day older, more lines, bags and circles. We come out of the bathroom, find the clicker, hit a button, and there it is. Local news. It's telling us where the shooting was and what burned in our town overnight. The newscast is telling us who we are in terms of what our community is. What we've become, how we view ourselves, is now the reflection of the stories told to us on our local news show. We have become hooked. It doesn't matter if it's called Action News, Eyewitness News, or The Morning Report, or any of the other endless, catchy names that news consultants sell the TV stations to try to build an identity for the product. The product is the newscast, and it has become the most important conduit of information into your bedroom, kitchen, living room, your life, 
local news. It wakes you in the morning, has lunch with you midday, keeps you company at dinner, and tucks you into bed at night. TV news is reflecting your town's image, an image that you'll carry with you all day, talk about with your friends at work, and want to know more about when the news is on when you get home. Look, there's your neighborhood. Is that your street? Wow, I know that woman from the store. She just said, this kind of thing doesn't happen around here. He was a quiet neighbor. I can't believe this. I'm scared. I think there's a bit of voyeur in many of us. Perhaps the press card is really the passport into the intimate, personal, life-altering events that most people can only experience in the two dimensions of TV news. The cameraman is the real video voyeur on the story, seeing people exposed in a way that most folks would never allow themselves, their family, or friends to experience. Yes, we've become hooked to the second mirror. Hi, I'm Paul Camerata, and this is Numbers Crunch, as read by me. Imagine Al Capone, a liar, cheat, a thief, a dirty deedy doer, his crimes beyond belief. He made the cops' lives rough, his victims got it bad, but more than all of them, Al's accountant's life was sad. Because for all the not good stuff old Al Capone did done, despite that pile of sins, folks most remember one. The crime for which they nailed him, that got Al sent away, was all the income taxes that he did not pay. My accountant's got one job, yet evasion of my taxes is getting me locked up. That's simply what the facts is. Call me what you want. Al said driving off to jail. But I'd be a free man right now, if not for that guy's fail. The record didn't bother to note Al's accountant's name. It just remembered that his work, for Al's fall was to blame. Fair or not, those are the breaks, for accessories to mistakes. So while old Al Capone became famous for bad stuff, Al Capone's accountant skills, in history also, got it rough. Hello, I'm Heidi Bank, and this is The Cure for the Common Cold, as read by me. In February 2007, Daniel Craig saved my life at the Super Bowl. I know, it sounds incredible, but it's 100% true. Here's what happened. My job as a video editor takes me to the Super Bowl every year to work on the annual I'm Going to Disney World commercial. That February, the Friday before Super Bowl 41, I suddenly came down with a nasty cold. I'd been working in an edit trailer in a pop-up compound for a couple of days, picture ugly wood paneling and questionable cleanliness, and I don't know if I was having some kind of allergic reaction to something in the recycled air or if I just had really bad timing and caught a cold. But I was sniffly and sneezy and just felt like garbage, which is no good because being sick on game day was not an option. You might think that working at the Super Bowl is super fun, and it is definitely a unique experience. But the reality is that it's also a long, nonstop, stressful workday for me, 
usually around 16 hours stretching late into the night after the game, and I need to be alert and functioning, not sneezing and wishing I was wrapped up in a fluffy bathrobe eating chicken soup. Further complicating things, my dad and my brother had flown to Miami to go to the game and wanted to meet me for dinner that night. But instead of going out with them, I decided to do the responsible thing and stayed in to take care of myself and try to get over this sniffle. So I went down to the little shop in the lobby of the hotel, bought myself cold medicine, and returned to my hotel room for an exciting evening of rest. I took my cold meds, swapped my contacts for my glasses, put on a pair of comfy sweatpants and a t-shirt, and miserably climbed into bed with a box of tissues. In a modest attempt to salvage my Friday night, I decided to treat myself to a ridiculously overpriced in-room movie. And at the time, Casino Royale, the first James Bond movie starring Daniel Craig, was still pretty new and available on demand. I hadn't seen it yet, and I'd heard it was good, so I thought, what the hell, I'm stuck here anyway, might as well watch something. Here I am, laying in the middle of my king-size bed, alone in my hotel room in Miami, on Super Bowl weekend, propped up by pillows, hair in a ratty ponytail, surrounded by cold meds and used tissues, just miserable, watching the movie through watery eyes and fits of coughing. About 30 minutes in, James Bond has pursued the bad guys to the Bahamas, where he, for whatever reason, decides to take a swim in the sea. Now, here's where I need to jump in and clarify that I was not unfamiliar with actor Daniel Craig before watching Casino Royale. I had seen him in other movies before he became 007, like Tomb Raider and Munich. And I thought he was good, but he never struck me as notably attractive. But then, as James Bond... Daniel Craig walked out of the ocean, emerging from the waves in tight blue swim trunks, the water cascading off of his impossibly perfect muscles, his eyes the same blue as the sea. And it stopped me mid-sniffle. I literally sat up in bed, put my hand to my chest, and gasped out loud, (gasps) Time stopped for a moment. Then I kind of looked around the hotel room to make sure I was still alone because, damn, did I just do that? Who am I? This was totally out of character for me. Did I really just bolt upright alone in bed and gasp out loud because a hot guy walked out of the ocean? Did I really just have a visceral, full-body reaction to James Bond all beefy and built in tiny little swim trunks? Totally not my type in real life, by the way. I never even thought he was hot before. But sure enough, there I was fully upright, heart racing. I may or may not have rewound and played back that scene several times before letting my heart rate return to normal and watching the rest of the movie, which I really liked, by the way. It's actually become my favorite James Bond movie. And then I finally blew my nose one last time, turned out the lights, and went to bed. When I woke up the next morning, I stretched and reached for my glasses and for a few blissful moments forgot how sick I'd felt the night before. And then I realized, wait a minute, I can breathe through my nose. My eyes aren't scratchy. Sneezing, gone, coughing, gone, gross pile of used tissues. Well, they were still around, at least until the hotel staff cleaned my room. Sorry, hotel mates. But totally improbably and very thankfully, I felt great. No trace of the cold. I was cured. And who did I have to thank for that? Obviously, Daniel Craig. His utterly unexpected hotness had clearly shocked the cold right out of my system. Daniel Craig had cured me of the common cold. 
I ended up spending that day, my Saturday off, relaxing in Miami with my dad and my brother checking out South Beach. And the next day, in Super Bowl 41, the Colts beat the Bears. Tony Dungy and Dominic Rhodes shouted, I'm going to Disney World! And we finished our commercial, which aired on ESPN shortly after the game. All because of Daniel Craig. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the podcast and the authors, visit asreadbyme.com. If you're a writer and would like to read one of your stories on an upcoming episode, send an email to writers at asreadbyme.com. If you like what we're doing and would like to help us remain ad-free, you can support us by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash asreadbyme.com.